Father, thank you so much for another day. Thank you for a year that uh, this congregation has met here in this place that you've given us to come and worship you and to fellowship and to grow in your word and become true disciples. We thank you for your word, your love, your faithfulness, your teaching, your guidance, your blessing. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, God's not mad at you. God's not mad at you. He doesn't... uh, he doesn't look at you with judgment in his eyes. He doesn't uh, belittle you. He's not just waiting for you to show up with confidence in his presence, in his presence, <laughs> and then knock you down a notch or two. He's not like that. He's not like that at all. I don't know why he wanted me to say that, but he did. Matter of fact, 3 John verse 2, Beloved, I pray that all may go well with you and that you may be in good health. As it goes well with your soul. God wants us to prosper. In the physical and the natural and the the spiritual. The physical and the natural. The physical and the spiritual. Amen. He's made provision for that. And that is really what he wants for you. He knows all of your flaws. All of your shortcomings. And he loves you anyway. He died for you anyway. And he'd do it all again. He wants to talk to you. Jeremiah 33, verse 3. He says, call to me and I will answer you. And I'll tell you great and hidden things that you have not known. Ain't that a cool promise and invitation he's just waiting call to me I'll answer you I want to tell you some things some awesome things that you 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 don't know when I read that I got very excited I I began to seek God with all my heart and you know one day he called me on the phone I had been struggling. We were new converts. We were old so-called Christians, but we were not. So we were new to God. And we were searching. You know, I was really seeking Him 24 hours a day and learning and asking Him so many things and And I really had a confidence problem. 
I didn't understand the things he just shared with us when we started here today, how much he loved me and wasn't judging me any longer, had nothing against me, only good things in his mind and heart for me, and that I was different. 1 Corinthians 5.27 says that if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. And I was struggling, I guess, with that. And uh, we were still having some issues in our home. You know, we were just now in the good, but still reaping a harvest from all that bad seed sown, you know. And a minister came over and and he shared with me, you know, when uh, he said, you know how when you have a skunk under your house and <laughs> you have to go in there and kill that skunk and get it out of there, which I didn't, but I mean, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to kind of figure that one out. It stinks, right? He said, well, when you come to God, it's kind of like that. The skunk is gone, but the smell still shows up from time to time. That's how he explained it to me, and I got it. But I was still kind of wondering if that was, you know, when, you, when you've been so off course for so long and you come to God, you kind of you believe that for other people, but you don't know if it'll really apply to you. <laughs> and so my wife and I, that next day, after work, we walked into a grocery store and and I grabbed the basket. And we walked to the back of the store and, and I was pushing the basket. And my phone rang and I answered it. And it was my stepdad 70 miles away and he and my mother had no idea of what was going on in my world. But he was laughing and he said, Hey, how you doing? He said, your mother wants to know how your skunk is doing. I said, excuse me? He said, yeah. Your mom wants to know how your skunk is doing. See, she had a dream last night. And you were a little boy. And you're pushing a grocery basket. And you had a skunk in there. And she just wants to know how your skunk is doing. And I guess he thought he was going to get a big laugh out of me. But I said, you tell her that skunk is dead and gone. Huh? No, you mom, I understand exactly what you said. Tell her that skunk is dead and gone. He didn't stay on the phone very long. I don't think he got it. But I did. That wasn't about my mother's dream. That dream was from God to my mother for me. That's how much God wants to talk to you. That's how God will arrange things to get a message to you about His love and His salvation. Man, that floored me that God would thought so much of me to get me a message like that that couldn't have any other meaning. 
And I was happy. And he began to speak to me. You know, I think when you're a young Christian, or when you're immature in your relationship with the Lord, he'll, he'll do a lot of things for you. And he did us in those early days. He would talk to us in ways that were so cool. And he would, he would confirm it through the other one. And that let us know we were in it together and God was talking to both of us and He was for us. And man, that was so fun. And then He began to deal with me about some hard things too. From my thinking, you know, and, and my life and, and crutches in my life, you know. And I remember there was, uh, I had a, you know, he delivered me from smoking and drinking and all that instantaneously. I was so blessed. I was so tired of the world. You know, I really wanted God. But we were meeting in a house near where we live now, another house that we owned. And we were meeting there with the church group. And we had given this house over to minister and his wife to live in. And we would meet there. And on Thursday, at Thursdays at noon, I got to preach a little bit. He, we, would, we would take her turns, those of us that were being raised up, and we would get to minister to this prayer group on Thursdays at noon. And I'll never forget, I got up there and I preached a powerful message. I know because my wife told me so. It's about Abraham and uh, Isaac. And I think I, I still may have it on a cassette. <clears throat> but anyway, I could hear, I had a prescription for Xanax that I had had for 10 years. And it was the only thing that was still had a hold of me. And everybody I talked to told me, it's okay, you know. It's prescribed, it's a, you know, it is what it is, and that's nothing wrong with that. Don't stop taking your medicine unless God tells you to. <laughs> I heard that pill bottle rattling around in my pocket. I could hear it every time I stepped. It sounded so loud, <laughs> but it was only loud to me. I was the only one aware. But that night had a heart to heart, you know, with God. I said, I'm, you know, I can't move forward in this calling hindered like that. You've taken all the other chains off of me and now this one's got to go. And so you either take it away or take me home. I sat him on the nightstand and I laid there all night with my skin crawling. I said, well, he's decided to take me on home. <laughs> That's how I felt. <laughs> but my mind was made up and I trusted him. Whatever he decided to do. But it was on him. And somewhere before the sun came up, I fell asleep 
And man, I slept so good. And when I woke up, I was free. <clears throat> that bottle of 90 pills or whatever sat in my sock drawer for about a year and a half before we threw it away. One of the greatest benefits of our salvation is that we get to hear God speaking to us personally. This personal relationship. There's, there's really no intimate relationship with the Father without a two-way conversation. But as easy as it is for, for Christians to speak to Him, <clears throat> the average Christian, I would say, has a really hard time hearing His voice. I know because that's the number one thing that people talk to me about. And that's not the way the Lord intended for it to be. I saw a snippet, but never watched the show. But you know that show, The View, with Joy Behar and Whoopi and all them? <laughs> they don't like you if you're a Christian. <laughs> but uh, anyway, they were mocking our Vice President Pence last week. It's Joy Behar and her friends there, I guess. And. God bless them. Hopefully they'll come to know him sometime, the Lord. But uh, they were mocking Pence and saying that they say he talks to they say he talks to Jesus and and uh, and that he talks, tells him, gives him instructions on what to do. And they were laughing and mocking him and say, it's one thing to talk to him. But man, when you say he talked back to you, ooh, they acted like that really creeped them out. And she said flat out, I don't think I want somebody speaking in tongues and, uh, and listening to God uh, to running the country up there. <laughs> so sad. But <clears throat> the truth is that uh, that's exactly who we are, what God created us for, is, is for a personal relationship with Him. And although the world doesn't know that, we do. And he really wants to talk to you. We have to learn to distinguish between God's voice and other voices, though. That's important. Instead of going through life just blindly, we can have the wisdom of God to guide us and protect us. There's not a single person that would not benefit completely and have their life transformed by hearing the voice of God better. The worst problem you could possibly have, whether it be financial or physical, marital, work-related, could all be fixed just with a word from God spoken into that situation. You believe that, don't you? I know you do. So it's really just a matter of hearing his voice then, isn't it? Jesus made some, some straightforward statements about hearing his voice. In John, uh, the 10th chapter, 
verses 3 through 5, he was talking about himself as the shepherd of the sheep and being the only way to enter the sheepfold. Let me see here. Turn over there real quick. John 10, verses 3 through 5. And Jesus said, go back to the second verse. He who enters the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice. And he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them and the sheep follow him for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him for they do not know the voice of strangers. Notice in verse 3 he says, his sheep hear his voice. He didn't say they can hear his voice or they should hear his voice. He said emphatically they hear his voice. Right? All true believers can and do hear the voice of God. He said it right there. The problem is, we just don't recognize what we're hearing as being God's voice. John 10, 27, just later on in the same chapter, he said it again. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. The first thing we need to do is believe that God is already speaking to us. And we need to start listening. It's that simple. Just believe, just just believe what we just discussed here and what Jesus just spoke to us here. He is speaking to us. And it's it's something that we can understand. And we, so we need to start listening. The, the problem is it takes time. It takes effort. It takes focus. It takes putting God before some other things that are competing for our time and attention. The average Christian's life is so busy that they can't hear God. That's the problem. If people ask you, how's it going? I know probably a lot of you, just like me, I'm in a habit of talking about, oh man, just busy. Busy, busy, busy. Doing a little juggling act. I tell customers that probably five times a day when they call. I don't know. I need to get out of the habit of saying that probably. What's up, Will? Oh, just doing a little juggling act. In other words, I've got a lot of things going on. What can I do for you? (laughs) Quickly. (laughs) But that's not conducive to hearing God's voice. We need to slow down a little bit. Psalm 46.10 tells us, Be still and know that I am God. We all know and love that scripture. But there's a lot of power and a lot of, um, a lot of um, repair, I guess, in that scripture. If we would just listen to it and just do it. 
it's comforting just hearing it. Be still and know that I'm God. It just, it just it makes us envision a time and place where we're just there in the presence of God, just still in His presence. And He is almighty and all-powerful and all-knowing and all-protecting and all-loving. And we're just there with our God. And we love that Scripture because it conjures up that image in our heart and mind. But we don't often get to that place and that's no one's fault but ours, to be honest with you. I know that I tell people all the time when they call and they are they talking to me about and they want ministry about things in their life because I'm the first one to say it. Whenever we get to a place where we're saying we don't have enough time to do the things that we have to do, then we are called to go back to the throne of God and repent because He's the creator of time and of the plan for our lives. And, and it would not be righteous for Him to give us more than He gave us time to accomplish. So somewhere we've gotten off track and somewhere we're doing some things that He hasn't asked us to do. And we need to go to Him and say, Father, what is it? Where have I gotten off? And help me to get back on the right course the course that you have for me. That narrow path that only a few find. See, that, that, that broad road is the highway that the world takes. It's fun. It's, it can be. It's got a lot of people there. A lot of activity. A lot of noise. You're not alone. But Jesus said the, the road to life is narrow. He said, only a few find it. Jesus said that. Every time I see that, when he says only a few find it, I'm like, God, that's a few? Only a few? He didn't mean three to five, obviously, but you get the point. There's a lot more that go on the highway to hell than the road to life. So we need to be still and know that He's God. Because it's in, in stillness and, and not, not the busyness of our life that we tune our, our spiritual ears to hear the voice of God. And that's what we need to hear. To know that it's Him. Because He always speaks to us in that still, small voice. Look over in 1 Kings chapter 19. 1 Kings chapter 19, we all know about Elijah. He was a great prophet of God. He had done so many wonderful things. Defeated all those prophets of Baal. and Then he was running, 1 Kings chapter 19, he was running for his life from Jezebel. I guess he was just tired mentally and physically and he sat down under a broom tree and he just wanted to die. (laughs) All these wonderful and mighty deeds he had done, these wonderful acts he had performed. And then he ran from this woman and wanted to die. And God strengthened him and he told him... um, 
Look at uh, 1 Kings 19, uh, chapter 7, uh, 19, verse 7. I'll just start there. And the angel of the Lord came again a second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat, for the journey is too great for you. And he arose and ate and drank and went in the strength of that food 40 days and 40 nights to Horeb, the mountain of God. There he came to a cave and lodged in it. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, and he said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? He said, I've, I've been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts. In other words, I've been seeking you. For the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword, and I, even I, am left, and they seek my life to take it away, and he said, go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by and a great strong wind tore the mountains and broke in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire... The sound of a low whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And behold, there came a voice to him and said, What are you doing here, Elijah? He said, I've been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. And I, even I only, am left, and they seek my life to take it away. And the Lord said to him, Go, return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus. And when you arrive, you shall anoint Hazael to be king over Syria. And Jehu, the son of Nimshi, you shall anoint to be king of Israel. And Elisha, the son of Shaphat. Anyway, he gave him more work to do. And he assured him that he would never be left without a witness. The point of this passage of Scripture is to show that the God that we serve didn't come to Elijah in the wind or the earthquake or the fire dramatically, but humbly in a small whisper. He showed himself to Elijah. <coughs> and that's how he likes to speak to us. He doesn't want to have to call us on the phone. Although he will do things like that from time to time because he loves us so greatly. But he doesn't want to have to be in a goosebump or in a vision or he's coming. I've seen him in dreams and and I, I think he loves to be a part of our life in any way. But he would much rather just be believed through his word and to seek him and to hear him in that small whisper. Amen. Didn't Jesus tell Thomas that, because Thomas believed him when he finally did see him and put his hands in the holes in his side and saw the hands in his holes in his hands. He's, and Jesus loved him anyway. and He was saved, but he told him it would have been better for those who believe but have not seen. 
That's why he always points people back to the Word. Because it will always be with us. And that's how we need to come to spend time with the Lord in the Word and seeking Him. And not let His voice be drowned out by the turmoil and, and the noise of this world. Another thing that I would say is very important is that we often mistake the voice of the Lord for our own thoughts. And this is where it can be kind of confusing. But the voice of the Lord will come to us through our own thoughts. But that's not the first step. In other words, John 4.24 says, God is a spirit. And those who worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. So it's saying that communication with God is spirit to spirit. Remember, spirit produces spirit. Flesh produces flesh. Remember, so God is a spirit. And He's communicating with our spirit. This is something that we can't discern with our five natural senses. God is a spirit and He's talking to our spirit, not not brain to brain or brain to mouth, the way we communicate with one another. The Lord speaks to our spirits, not in words so much as in thoughts and impressions that He puts upon us. I have a feeling, I have an unction from the Holy Ghost. You heard that? Then our spirit speaks to us in words that we understand, you see? So our spirit is communicating with our soul the messages of God, the things of God. I think the Lord really wants me to do this or that, to go here, to to do this or this work or that. He doesn't just say, come out in an audible voice and say, I want you to do this or I want you to do that. That's what we want him to do. But that's generally not, not, not the way he works. So I think because of that, a lot of people mislead uh, or misunderstand the messages of God because they're, they're, they're getting their own thoughts in a way. I've known ministers that made that mistake. And they became so... They became so high on their own publicity that the next thing you know, every thought that they had, they proclaimed as God's word. And while you can get to a place where you're aligned very closely with God, you're never going to get to that place where every thought you have is God's. And to say that, I'd say is really someone who's gotten off into pride. And they can really hurt people. So, the point of all that is to say that because all of us have done something pretty dumb (laughs) in our past. And then afterward we say, I knew I shouldn't have done that. I knew that was the wrong thing to do, but I did it anyway. Not just a sinful thing, but just I had a feeling about that. I don't know why I didn't. You know what I'm saying? We've all done that. I know, without exception. 
we didn't feel right about the decision, but we went ahead and did it anyway. We went and we followed the logic of this world or the pressure of others on us in this world. And we made the wrong choice. And then later we said, man, I knew I shouldn't have done that. But here's the deal. Psalm 37, 4 says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. We all know that scripture, right? You've heard it before at least. Delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. This verse A lot of people have interpreted to mean that the Lord will give you whatever you want. (laughs) And it's been used to justify a lot of selfishness, self-centeredness, greed, even adultery and stupid things like that. Because they're saying that God's going to give me the desires of my heart. This is that person I talked about last week that has invented the God of their imagination. Who knows them and they have an understanding. And he feels sorry for them because he knows everything they've been through. And because of that, he gives them special consideration and all this. And it's all a made up fairy tale. And it's not God at all. And it will lead them to be shipwrecked. But that's what a lot of people have done with that scripture. But it doesn't mean that the Lord's going to give you whatever you want. It means that when you're seeking the Lord, He will put His wants and His desires in your heart. He'll make His desires become your desires. Because you have sought Him to the point where, in other words, the way that I do it, and I wish I would do it more, Is that when I have a choice or a decision to make or something and I don't know that I'm hearing God and I have my little torn on what I need to do and I I have a thought on what I want to do, but I'm not sure if that's God's desire or mine. So I go and I pray and I ask him, I put it before him and sometimes I do it simply and then just go about my business waiting for an answer. But sometimes it's more important than that. And I feel like there's a good chance that my flesh might be involved in the decision-making process. So I go and I pray in in the Spirit. I pray in tongues. and, And I really seek the Lord until there's a place in your prayer life when you can get to a place where all of the flesh, all of the world kind of drifts away. And you know that it's just you and God there. And at that point, when I feel very close to God and I feel very aware of His presence, if that desire is still there, then I believe it's Him. Because all the flesh is burned out, all the worldly thoughts and desires are gone, and it's just me and the Lord. And then I bring up that topic, that thing. And if that's still the impression that is on me, then I will usually believe that that is God's desire and I, even if I'm not 100% sure, I'll move in that direction. Because God will bless that choice. Even if it's not exactly what He wanted you to do. And here's what I'm talking about. Romans 14.23 says, Whatever is not of faith is sin. So, when you've done all that you know to do, And you really believe that this is God's choice for whatever the thing is that you're asking him about. 
and it's about as clear as you're going to hear, and you have an unction, you have an impression that this is what he thinks you you think he wants you to do, and you go in that direction. If it's not exactly right, he'll make the course correction. And I believe that he would bless you because you're acting on faith. He's not going to continue to let you go down that course probably. He'll make the course correction. But I tell people all the time, you can sit at the dock in your boat from now till he comes back and you can turn the wheel left and right and you're never going to, that boat's not going to change course at all. You have to get out of the dock and get out into the water and move in the direction you think you need to go before he can make any course corrections. Once you get heading in that direction, then he'll help you as you go. Amen? <laughs> That's the point. Sometimes it can become sin because of indecision. Just waiting on the Lord. I talk to ministers all the time that travel all the time. They go all over the world or especially all over this country. And they run into congregations all the time that are just stale. And they'll say they're waiting on God for something or another thing or a bunch of things. And I think, well, how long you been waiting? And it turns out to be a long time they've been waiting. And what it is is they just decided not to do anything they were waiting on that telephone call from god i guess and he thought they were past that point and should have been a little more mature and done something even if it wasn't exactly right until he could make the course correction amen colossians three fifteen says let the peace of god rule in your heart and this is what i always encourage people to remember it's like you go into a car dealership and they say well it's today or never, you know. Now I just say thank you very much. You've helped me a more than you know. And they'll stick their hand out to make the deal, and I say, no, that you're off the table. My God doesn't work that way. And so I know you're not the right one. <laughs> this isn't the right car. It's kind of like that with God. The peace of God is supposed to be the umpire in our lives. So when we're really seeking Him, and even if we're not for sure which way we're supposed to go, we've done everything, we've, we've sought Him in prayer, and we're really looking for Him to provide us with the answer, which He will. We need to ask what we have peace about. Now, this can, again, if you're not living for God and living according to His Word, this, you, can, you can even get thrown off by this. Because if you're a carnal person... And you're thinking your thoughts are God's thoughts. And you're saying, well, uh, what do you have peace about? Well, I really feel peace about uh, leaving my husband or, or leaving my wife. Okay, well, that's not God. Well, I really have peace about, uh, you know, having this abortion or whatever. I just No, that's not God. I'm sorry. Um, you know, if it doesn't line up with the word of God, it's not the will of God. So again, we go back to this book. It's always going to make the final uh, decision more clear. It, it has to line up with the Word of God. Otherwise, it's not the will of God. Well, are you all hearing me today? God is 
God is good and he wants to hear from us. He wants to hear from us and he wants us to hear from him. And what he's been showing me lately is that it's generally a one sided conversation. Not because he's not talking, but because we're not hearing and he wants to help us to hear him. And that's and he's just laid out some simple things on on how to better do that. And so he wanted us to get started on that today. But listening for his voice, getting still, just spending time in prayer and in the word and really expecting. It's just like sowing a seed, a financial seed into the kingdom of God, whether it's in tithes or offerings and then never expecting to get anything back. I've seen religious people like that. They just did it as a duty. And didn't and said, oh, no, God's blessed me enough. I don't want anything else from him. Well, that shows that they have religious error and that they believe it's for them. Anyway, once you understand that the blessing of God is really not about you, he's just using you as the sprinkler. And then the sprinkler always stay wet. So it's not a sin to say, pour it on, God. Just help me to be a good steward of the things you pour into my life. That's the better prayer. Don't ever say that's enough. You've done enough, God. Because that means you think you're supposed to just use whatever he gives you for you. But we're blessed to be a blessing. So don't ever tell him that's enough. Tell him, bring it on. But just give me wisdom with it. And make me a good steward of everything you put in my life. Lord, I think that we're going to stop right here today. We thank you for what you've given us. I know that there is a lot more you've given me, but I think that's good for today. Their, uh, their minds can only absorb as much as their seats can endure. So we will just stop right here and we thank you, Lord, for everything you've entrusted us with. Help us to grow in our relationship with you and to learn to hear your voice as it pertains to us and our lives so that we can walk in your wisdom and guidance and instruction And be all the more blessed for it. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.